All right, here we go. You're listening to the Revenue Real Hotline, one big-ass experiment about all things uncomfortable conversations and sales. There were a few first principles that I halfway remembered while designing the space, but really, anything goes. As your attorney, I'm obligated to remind you that anything does not, in fact, go, nor are you a practicing mental health professional. Probably should mention that. All opinions expressed therein are our own. Anyone following said opinions has questionable judgment at best, and this podcast is in no way intended to treat, cure, or care for any general maladies, global pandemics, pandemoniums, or the like. This podcast will very likely include ideas that are controversial, and as such, depending on where you sit and what your position is, may be slightly triggering. Before we get started, I'd like to give a big shout out to our sponsors, without which none of this would be possible. Just kidding. Seriously, call me. Playing games with human beings lives here, Amy, and also generating an inordinate amount of paperwork for the legal department. Nobody ever listened to legal. I don't understand. We're like the one department you should listen to. Disclaimer. God, we're going to have, we need a disclaimer alarm. Karen! Business requires risk, Pete, and so we're, we're just going to figure it out. And that seems like a totally legitimate plan to me. I'm your host, Amy Rahovchek, and welcome to my experience. Hello, Revenue Real listeners, all like two of you. I am your host, Amy Rahovchek. This is an episode where we're going to go into what this podcast is about and why you should come along for the ride. What you're about to hear is... Actually, the second interview that we did. And it seems only fitting to start with the way that the first interview ended. Yeah. Ken, uh, I have to be honest, I didn't love the interview. You didn't love it? No. Without further ado, episode one. My name is Colin Mitchell, and welcome to episode number one of The Revenue Row. I am your guest host today, and I'm going to be interviewing Amy Rahovacek. Oh, my goodness. That was so close. Oh, I almost nailed it. Almost nailed it. That was so close. Wait, is this the point where I'm supposed to say how it's pronounced? Yeah, you can correct me. Oh, all right. Well, I don't want to correct you, Colin. I um, it's Rubcheck. That is a silent H there, and yeah, I was close. I was better than the first time. <laughs> no, it was good. It was good. I was impressed. I was impressed. All right. So on today's episode, it's going to be a little bit different. I'm going to be interviewing Amy, so the listeners here can get to know a little bit about her story and what Revenue Real is and what to expect from the podcast and why this is going to be different than maybe any other podcast that you've listened to or enjoyed. So let's just jump right in. Amy, tell people a little bit about yourself, like what's your story, your experience, and then we'll get to you know, what revenue real is and what they can expect. <sighs> my story, my experience. Well, I was raised by a salesperson in, in New Jersey. So there's that. And, but my dad, he's got a, a brokerage now. And so I, 
there's always still to this day, like, you know, new programs, new trainings, new different and amazing ways to empower um, his team. And so I was raised in that. I also was raised like at the dinner table. I think you and I have spoken about this, but I, that my dad used to ask my sisters and, uh, and me every night, whether or not we felt uncomfortable that day. Mm-hmm. The analogy he used was butterflies, right? When did we feel any butterflies in our stomach? And if we did not, if I did not have something like an exact tangible event to report back, then it was not, not even a subtle nod that, you know, we were explicitly reminded that all growth takes place outside of our comfort zone. And so if we did not have those butterfly feelings that day, then we had not grown. So yeah, mm. that was how, how old, were how you? old was I? Yeah, when when you'd have these conversations at the dinner table. Grade school. So like fifth, sixth, seventh grade. Yeah. Mm. I love that. (laughs) There uh when when I'm when I'm like pushing you, Colin, on a like a super uncomfortable conversation, like I'm gonna remind you of this. And we actually we have it recorded. But I I Mm. then as all children do, or most children, you know, I'm not gonna do what my dad does, I'm gonna do something different. So I was going to Mm. be in politics. That was going to be the plan and was the plan. And I was fortunate enough to win this competition, right? Fortunate enough and also like that competitive. But it was a year-long tri-state competition uh, for Model Congress. Took first place and then went to school in D.C., American University. And my first job out of school was to work on a gubernatorial race. And I was so excited, right? You work your whole life, you're and I'm on track. Like we, I didn't, there was no, whatever. And so our guy, unfortunately, lost in the primaries. So I had spent like four months as a community mm. organizer, right? Just pouring my heart and soul into both the, the campaign and what, what the candidate represented. And then what happened, really, what happens all the time when, when a, someone loses in the primaries is that just as one campaign shuts down, another one from the same ticket doubles in size. And so I, I, I remember the feeling, mm-hmm. Colin, of everybody kind of packing their, their boxes, you know, packing their desk and literally picking it up and going to the other campaign and setting up shop. And I don't know if I was just like young and idealistic in this moment, but I could not fathom how we were supposed to just so quickly just drop all the things, you know, and the differences, right, about the campaign and and the platform and and just go to the other side. And so I just, I, re- I knew in that moment that it wasn't for me. And that was um, when I very, very, very intentionally pivoted to, to sales. Mm, wow. So tell me more about how you were feeling in that moment. Like you had worked really hard, won this competition, got this job that you're super excited and passionate about lost. And then everybody that you've been working alongside with just packs up and goes to the, the yeah. competition. Right. And you're just like, I can't do this. this. Yeah. I cannot live a life me. like this. That was what I was remembered feeling. You know, it's funny because, so I am going to answer this question, but there was, there's a local incubator here um, at, at, with the community college run by a woman who was a, a big time manager at Bell Labs in the sixties. She's a badass, Pam. Anyway, Pam um, has been putting together these events to inject, you know, new and different types of humans into tech. And she's an engineer, but anyway, so she did one 
and it was a bunch of high school students. And I remember, and we're talking like 50, 60, I, on this Zoom or whatever, I don't I think it was even a WebEx, this was recently. And I was like, cause everybody mm. had a lot of questions, right? All these high school kids about like figuring out what they wanna do and blah, 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 blah. And I just wanted to help reduce some of the like criticalness of those feelings, right? Because it doesn't matter. It doesn't fucking matter. But anyway, I, I felt all the same feelings that you would expect a 21 year old to feel at that moment, like everything that you had been working for. And I had worked on like 15 campaigns up until that point, right? There was a lot of activity at the grassroots level around here in Tom's River, which you know, is a super fun site and the superintendent of schools or was at the time. Um, he's still in federal prison just to put it in perspective. But anyway, so like I, this is, it was hard, right? It, it was exceptionally difficult. Then there was the feelings, all the time and energy and thoughts that you had as a kid, like, I'm not going to do what my dad did. And mm. then like quieting those, but I survived and I pivoted by, again, doing exactly how I pivoted into sales enablement. It was very, very intentional, but, and also, you know, there, this is work that no one can do for you, right? So I guess it was looking back in hindsight being what it was, you know, I was fortunate in that I learned very early on that all the best laid plans, you know, you miss a little factor like loyalty and dedication and or whatever. And yeah, but anyway, maybe it's for the best because I landed in sales, which is the second least trusted profession um, in the country. And number one was, which was where I was going lobbyist. That's, that's number one. So at least I'm not, you know, bottom, bottom rung, but I'll take second. Okay. So you got, you got your first sales job where, what did you learn there? Tell us so more about that. I, there, there was time where I, I spent time with my, in my dad's brokerage, but I like grew up there. So I'm not going to count that one. The first place after when I realized mm -hmm. that I was going to move into sales, um, I, like I, I wanted a great sales training program, like, like the best in the country. And so I did a lot of research and it was ADP and they had three divisions, right? So they've got small business services. This is knocking on doors for, you know, to replace payroll, um, the major accounts and national accounts. And so I started, I knew I didn't want small business services and I started stocking out really national accounts and major accounts. National laughed at me as a like 23 year old, 24, maybe even at that point, but major accounts gave me a shot. And so, um, yeah, I, it was an exceptional experience. It, I, I mean, I don't know how much detail we want to go into, but I had, I was assigned a, a mentor and there was a, 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 it was a hard, it wasn't a hard decision, but there were two of the top people in the office were both vying for that. And I, anyway, so it was just amazing. But it also, when I think about the current state of like tech sales, as it, as compared to that, and we were selling like biometric hand scanners, right? So hardware and software time entry systems before the cloud. Right. So, and I was a full mm. cycle AE. So did you, do you feel that you got the level of like experience and training that you were looking for, which you said was so important yeah, for that and then first some. sales job? So like when I, when I try to explain to people about why I like push back on the idea of like cold calling or, you know, 
dictating what an SDR does down to the day and task as being not good or not the best thing, right? So Colin, did, did I ever tell you the, the FOIA story from ADP? Mm -mm. No. I had this idea that, you know, I started thinking about companies that got in trouble with for time and labor violations, right? Which is the software that we were selling. And so I was like, I wonder mm -hmm. which government entity in the state is responsible for enforcing those. And I found out and then I was like, I wonder if I can submit a, FOIA, a public records request for a list of all the companies that were hit with time and labor violations in, in my territory the year prior. Mm. And uh, yeah, so that's exactly what I did. And I got this list up. And so no. had nobody done that before? No, and like I was still with Henry, who was Henry Niemczyk, who was my mentor. And he was like, don't, don't tell anybody. We're going to keep it on the DL. And I ended up, I ended up telling everybody <laughs> because I was like, Henry, like there were, they're in different territories, you know, like it's, there's no overlap. Like, why wouldn't we? But we, we did keep it to ourselves um, because, you know, I designed a marketing campaign around it that did not disclose to these business owners that we knew about the fine because who wants to start a relationship off like that? But the messaging was very targeted. Um, and I, I think it was like 80% of that list converted. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's so interesting that you bring that up because I know that something that you're, you know, passionate about versus from previous conversations we had is letting sellers have the autonomy and creativity to think outside the box and not just stick to the, the norm activity quota of here's how hmm, we get the job done. Yeah. It's funny that you say that because at my heart though, I am still a revenue human, like for life. Right. Just, and mm -hmm. the reason, right. As if we don't need anything beyond like the moral um, implications of stripping away art and creativity and autonomy away. Um, but it, these are the factors that this is where productivity and performance come from. And for performance and sales, that equals revenue. And so what I'm proposing or what we're talking about, again, not only is the right thing to do, but it, this is like you, <laughs> you people like you, you have to be trying really, really, really hard to not look at any of the science or research right now on, you know, again, we're, where the source of, of productivity and performance is coming from. And autonomy is a massive part of it, massive, as is happiness. Yeah. So I want to just kind of switch gears a little bit here. I think people have a, a good idea of, of who Amy is now. But what is, what is the Revenue Real podcast? Like, what can people expect? How is this different than maybe some of the other podcasts out there? And what are people going to, you know, get to have in the upcoming episodes? Well, so Revenue Real is actually a, a brand. That's This is my brand. And it's like an extension of me. And I've been working on it for quite some time. There's three legs to it. Um, the podcast is, is the first. And so um, for listeners, the, the third leg was something different. And then Colin uh, Mitchell here with me. Uh, helped me see the light and see something bigger and better. But anyway, so that can be for later. This podcast is going to be different in that it's 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 going to be an experience, um, and it's going to be very uh, interactive. And uh, and also, like, let's be serious. It's going to be one big ass experiment at what 
drives audience delight, but also, you know, how, which is something that I personally define and have come to realize is a function of growth. And so we're going to be um, playing around with all manners of uncomfortable conversations and, um, you know, getting stronger and better together because, um, Colin, the, the downside to being raised in a manner that has you chasing butterflies is that you, you have a lot of these conversations and you seek them out and it's like so fun. Mm -hmm. However, there is no one that has made more mistakes um, as it relates to, to uncomfortable conversations than myself. And so, you know, there's also an aspect of this that is one, you know, deep practice exercise for me. And we're going to document the whole thing, or at least not document isn't the right word. We're going to give a, uh, we're going to, we're going to put it on full display. I love, I love that you called it an experience and an experiment right? Which is like, hey, it might not be perfect. We're not trying to get perfect here. We're trying to deliver an experience and give people a safe place to have these uncomfortable conversations. Because that's like a muscle that I would almost say is like a superpower. Like if you can get comfortable being uncomfortable, there's so many things you can accomplish both on a personal and professional yeah, it, level. You know, I love the superpower. Um, yeah, there's power in it, but also, you know, if we could even take it further than that. So I guess you and I know this, but I don't think we've mentioned it, that the, this is going to be a hotline, right? There's going to be a bunch of different um, segment types I would envision playing with, but we're starting with obviously just conversations with um, you know, friends and smart people and or people that have different perceptions or ideas, but are still producing um, progress and change and, you know, things worth talking about. But that said, we're also going to be opening up a hotline um, for each of these episodes where, you know, the audience listeners can kind of call in with any kind of questions that they have about an upcoming uncomfortable conversation, be it with, you know, a buyer or a boss, or probably mm -hmm. most importantly, the overdue uncomfortable conversations we need to have with ourselves. So where can, where can people find out more about the hotline? Tell us more about how the hotline yeah, is going to This is a great work. point. So for right now, right at the beginning, it's going to be right in the show notes underneath yeah, it's, Simple. I actually didn't write the number down, but it's like, if you want more information, we're going to text the number, but it'll, it'll be very obvious. If you want to learn more about the hotline, yeah. just scroll down to the show notes and everything you need to submit your questions, be a part of the hotline will be in the show notes. So I love it. You're letting people that are willing to go on this journey and experience with you and have these uncomfortable conversations can jump, just and jump the, right you know in. what? And it's practice, right? The only way that we get good at something is to do it again and again, which is also why in this space, obviously this is a judgment-free zone, but more importantly, this is a mistake-friendly zone. Um, and so, yeah, that's, that's definitely a thing. However, you know, I, I'm open to even callers, you know, just needing an, a space to, share some particular experience that was unpleasant when trying to have a conversation. 
and maybe that didn't work. And so mm. sometimes when you're not in a position of power, um, we, we need an outlet. We need a, a place to be able to reclaim um, our right to, you know, be treated as, as an equal and as a human. And so this is, you know, also going to be something that I'm, I'm trying to create, but I do want to add some, I, just a slight point of information when you said not trying to get perfect. So one, yeah, letting go of like, you know, my past um, perfectionist ways has, is it relapses every now and then. So that's, that's good that, that mm. I'm not going for that. However, the experiments that we're talking about, right? The, it does have an end goal, which would be, you know, 80% um, of the results, which is going to be a function of engagement and really the number of call-ins. But 80% of those of our results generally comes from 20% of the things that we do. And so that's, that's going to be the experiment. So 20%, like, I'm just going to play with different ways at the beginning, which I think is an important thing to disclose. So I'm glad that you brought it up because all too often, and this is me, I'm talking to myself over the past year of like, you know, trying to get it perfect, the podcast, like, things are never, there is no such thing as perfect at the point of launch, right? There's, there's right. always an iteration cycle and it's um, or product market fit. And I'm not pretending at this point to have it all figured out. Let's just see what happens. But this is where the experience comes in. And also uh, one last thing, Colin, I know you love tangents and like run on conversations. And after that, I think I actually just lost it. So anyway, never mind. What's the next question, sir? We're, we're trying to cover, we're trying to cover a lot here in a, in a short time. So, I mean, what my, here's okay. my big question for you. And so my big question is why are you doing this? What's the purpose? I know it's something that you're passionate about because we've had many conversations and I can tell that your heart is in it, but I think it's important that the listeners know like why you're going on this journey and why it's so important to you. I think that sales is the greatest profession. Not, I think, I believe I, it's in my experience, sales is the greatest profession on the planet. And it is one of the only professions that, you know, air quotes, right? Everyone has an opportunity to excel and grow. Um, but really, you know, privilege being what it is, we, I think we all know that that's not true anymore, but or never was. However, I think that it's a brilliant profession because, you know, I literally feel like a diamond after, you know, years and years and years of pressure and performing. Um, and I want other people, other sellers to be able to experience that growth as a human being, right? Not even the revenue number, right? Just grow as a human being and learn and, you know, have your bank account reflect the effort and work that's being done. Um, but ideally, I, I'd want that to happen with a little less pain, specifically as it relates to, to mental mm -hmm. health. And, and this is also something I'm speaking from experience about. When I look at sales, tech sales, B2B tech sales, and specifically startups in Silicon Valley, I, we've come far really from what this profession can and should be. And 
and the metric I'm using to make a statement like that is the amount of harm that we're doing, the amount of bodies that we burn through. And so I'm doing this podcast because I want to both inject more joy into the process or demonstrate how joy can be found along the way for sellers, period, end of story for ICs. And then of course, you know, start to help uh, myself and the audience is build up their skills with uncomfortable conversations that um, when we start to have them collectively, this is the exact thing and action that will drive change and, and progress as it relates to equality, opportunity, you know, all the important things, humanity, mm-hmm. treating the customers like humans, treating the, the team like human beings. It's, it's a funny concept, right? Like trying to teach people to treat humans strange? like humans. Wait, it's funny. Did I didn't even, there's. There's, there's so many people that have been talking about like, oh, you know, to be better in sales or as a sales leader, we need to be more human. And it's like, how do how do you, let me, let me help you out sales leaders. How do we be more human? We can start by, um, being far more transparent about our numbers Mm. just right off the bat. Um, that's an easy one, right? Just disclose, share with everybody what your demographics on your sales floor looks like. Um, that's the first thing. Then we can talk about how we, you know, establish goals around equality and humanity and, or, you know, moving from wherever point A is to point B, treat people like human beings and, you know, start to hold ourselves accountable and Mm. be a little more vulnerable. Yeah. Like that's another one of those fuzzy words at this point, like you're no, nah, well, there's a lot of sales leaders that want to like think that they have all the answers and not be even vulnerable to their team to like, hey, I'm not really sure, but we're going to figure this out together. Or we're going to try this. Do you think or, it's a function of vulnerability or ego? Well, if you're, if, if you have, if ego is a problem, then vulnerability is Well, so here's the thing, like I, when a, when a person, and we're all like, this is part of the human condition. So this is me too, right? When a person hears something that mm. they don't know to be true, right? Or that conflicts with their past experience, the, the way that mm-hmm. we interpret that thing, it, it's wrong, right? And what we think it is right. And until, you know, more facts are introduced or, or whatever, when Depends on what type of mindset you have, right? If you have sort of a fixed mindset and you're not really open to other ideas or learning, then then yeah. But I think a lot of it is subconscious. Like what I'm describing is very subconscious and it happens automatically, right? If it's not what we... Yeah. It's, it's, it's the, the natural brain, way that humans right? are so conditioned. Making or improving, which is mm-hmm. really mental health. But yeah, the default brain will do this. But anyway, awareness is step one. Right. So I guess why I'm kind of going on, like picking at this is that yeah. there, no, this is important. Yeah. <laughs> we hear talk of like root cause problems, right. And like the difference between um, addressing the root cause problem versus, you know, chasing after symptom problems. And most in most instances, 
Um, I, you know, it's just very obvious that, that we have not honed in on what our actual problems are yet. And so without being able to be curious or be vulnerable, or even like be willing to receive Mm. a question about why we're doing something or the chances of a team of people being able to just like guess at the problem and, and have that be the real thing that actually drives change and results um, is R zero. And so one of the ways that I was taught to sh- like look for root causes um, during my uh, green belt, well, leading up to getting a green belt and process improvement is to really and you want to know what it was? It was, I was told to vision a, a, a solutions jar right in your brain and have it be like a glass jar with a big, pretty sign mm. next to it, like really cool design that says solutions jar. And every time like the, the brain, the human brain has an idea, like they see a problem and it, we, we jump to uh, like, whatever the solution is, we found it in our brain in like a nanosecond. And mm what that does is it creates confirmation bias. Of course, past experiences, there's a separate factor there. But anyway, so whenever the brain, default brain produces a solution before having, you know, asked and had conversations and listened to the experience of people that are different or have a different perspective, like that's, that solution is, is worth nothing. And so I was taught to, to pretend to fold it up on a pretty piece of stationery, walk across the room and drop it into the solutions jar so that I myself could keep confirmation bias out of the equation while we source issues and then test and confirm for, for root cause. And knowing the amount of work that is required to find a root cause and also to facilitate a team of people arriving there, it's very simple to see that those things are not happening. And so I, you know, Colin, like at this point is even for purposes of this podcast, like I am actually not as interested in trying to diagnose why leadership continues to make decisions that they're making. I, like at this point, I, I, it's all about like moving forward and how, what can we do together to, again, preserve our most valuable resource, our time and our energy and not go chasing after symptoms indefinitely. But the reality is the problems that are facing us as, mm-hmm. as a profession are going to require new answers and I don't know what those answers are yet. Like nobody, I, I, and there's so much context that's going to be required. And so, but what I do know is that uncomfortable conversations and elevating our own capacity to have those conversations with others, but again, most importantly with ourselves will require practice. And so here we are. So I think that the revenue real podcast is going to find some of those answers. (laughs) I have a good feeling about that. And through providing this experiment, this experience of people to have these uncomfortable conversations with the hotline and and letting people be a part of that conversation, I'm just really excited that this podcast made it out of the solution jar and is coming to fruition. So I'm excited to 
be a part of this journey with you and, and see what this becomes and see what sort of answers you do find in this experiment. So, and if you're listening today and, and you enjoyed today's episode, share Revenue Real with your friends, write a review, help, help this reach more people. And, and, and if you're somebody who's willing to be part of this experience, this experiment, and wants to join the conversation, all of those details will be in the show notes for you. Thank you, Colin. That's it. Episode one, Revenue Real. All right. And to our listeners, truth, love, and joy, friends, happy selling. Whew. Man, that was heavy. But necessary, you know, important, important stuff being thrown around virtues that we as humans can can build a sturdy foundation on i heard words like trust i heard words like action i heard words like consistency and uh i think this is important you know but i i also live in the real world right where i trust that the action amy didn't take was to consistently feed the dog or file her legal disclaimer paperwork from all the unnecessary risks she takes on a weekly basis. Karen is gonna be pissed. Karen! This podcast will very likely include ideas that are controversial and as such, depending on where you sit and what your position is, may be slightly triggering. Just a note for sponsors from Karen and Pete down in legal. We are anxious to receive your call. And if you are looking to help or join the cause or create change in a positive way, please reach out to anyone but me because I have enough to do. And Amy will definitely be interested in taking your money to help more people, which is what we do here. You know, stuff, legal stuff. If you like what you're hearing or are excited for like this shit show and where it's going to go, definitely follow us on, you know, whatever podcast device is your preference. Even though I, I seriously have a hard time identifying with anything non-Spotify, but you know, I guess I'll, I'll come to terms with that. Sure. We're helping all these people, but did you, did you feed the dog? Did you, did you remember to feed the dog? Is there going to be another Chinese food incident? Is there? Order the dog food, Amy. Order it. Chewy.com. Possible sponsor. I still can't believe people listen to shit I say. But, like, there, there's certainly a kernel of truth somewhere in there. But I truly, truly appreciate anyone brave enough to, you know, listen in early. I don't know shit about sales, but as I understand it, she's pretty good with buyers and sponsorship partners. At least that's what I've been told from Bernadette, Karen's sister in accounting. So if you're interested in supporting the cause, email Amy at Revenue Real. All right, friends. So the only way this works as a hotline is if we find some people to come play. Anybody who's interested or brave enough or desperate enough, because let's be serious, like that's, that's where it's at. Everything you need to know is in the show notes. Come on. Yeah, call absolutely. Call in. Don't have enough to do? You want a couple of books to read? Amy can boss you around for a couple hours. 
Sounds like, yeah, please, by all means, call. Ruin a perfectly good Sunday. I understand that I should do a better job of paying attention to the law and like filing paperwork, but we're fucking creating art here, Pete. Karen! Sure, drawing attention to mistakes is great and also necessary, but at the same time, we're talking about a woman who attempted to soften a pedicure with a belt sander in high school to the demise of her own person. Belt sander to the foot. That was a thing. That happened. Pete, I can't believe you just told everybody about the belt sander. I, I mean, can't we work them into it a little bit? I already disclosed that, like, nobody's made more mistakes than me, and that's why I got... Uh, no problem going first, but that one, that I feel like that's at least for season two, a, a disclosure. Same thing with the Chinese food. And there was only one time, okay, it was the chicken and broccoli, just the chicken with the white sauce and some white rice. <laughs> you know, like, what, what, what do you want from me? <laughs> Lola. Do you even know where Lola is? Has she been fed? I'll feed her. It's fine. Lola! There she is. Hi, Lola. Do you want a treat? Has your mommy pet you today? There is no nice way for a woman to yell like, Karen! There's such a thing as gender coding. Also known as the double bind. I don't know about you listeners, but I enjoy my podcast on Stitcher. Um, I mean, I don't have a premium account because I'm holding out for sponsorship. Hey, Stitcher, looking at you. Um, also, I believe we mentioned Chewy, so there will be a link to the, them in the show notes, even though we are not sponsored by them. And I bought my dog food at Target this week um, because it was on sale and I saved on shipping. As somebody who just came to terms with her own privilege this summer, I am in no position to judge. However, it's fucking real. Privilege is a thing. Intersectionality is a thing. And for Jesus' sake, can we stop fucking killing black people and pay black women? Lola, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, baby. I love you. Here, take some pets. Come, come sit up on my lap. So yeah, you find yourself sitting around with a couple minutes to spare. Go ahead and completely destroy your afternoon by accumulating somehow yet more work that you will not be paid for in any way, shape, or form. Yeah. Call the hotline. Call the hotline. Let's call the hotline. But, you know, I'm, I'm still here to uh, help in any way I can, which is, I mean, does anybody need some weed? I mean, not for purchase, just like, to, you know, we, sharing is caring. Yeah, be, see, that take, take that, there you go. That's helping. Sharing is caring. It's legal in New Jersey now. Didn't you get a card? Yeah, but that's, let's not bring my mental health into this yet. Yeah, no, that's a whole, that's a season four teaser. Peter, are you telling me that you actually, you have emotions? It's not just a female trait? Shut up, Amy. We're not talking about this. I'm not wearing my big girl pants today, so I can't. I don't think I'm ready to talk about this. Maybe we can hold off on that till episode three. Wait, you're not ready to talk about the fact that you are a human being, therefore have feelings, despite your gender? I'm clearly not a human being. I'm a man. I'm a man! (laughs) (laughs) That you are, and you're certainly a fucking ally. Everybody take notes. 
sponsors uh, on a personal note. Uh, Amy may cause problems down here in legal, but she will be more than happy to take your money and use it for a good cause and help people who are help more people. So uh, pay that bitch. For anybody interested in cool things discussed by way of principles or books, let's look for them in the show notes. The only way this works as a hotline is if we find some people to come play. Everything you need to know is in the show notes. Yeah. Call the hotline. Call the hotline. Let's call the hotline. By all means, if you find any value in things that we're talking about, do tell a friend. I consider that the highest honor. There's always the public review, although part of me thinks that I should not ask that until we're out of beta. Peaks and valleys, peaks and valleys, peaks and valleys. <laughs> Man, yeah. I, you know, as annoying as it is, I have yet to figure out um, how to mind read, <laughs> not for lack of trying. So yeah, keep me posted. How now, brown cow? The arsonist has oddly shaped feet. The Human Torch was denied a bank loan. The very best way to reach me right now would be LinkedIn. So good luck spelling the last name. Oh, man. So, yeah. I hope we all learned something. I feel like I learned something. I feel like I should stop and look around and wash my hands. And probably drink some water. Because, you know, Amy does have most of the answers. But did we feed a dog? So quick to tell some stories about the belt sander and feeding Lola Chinese food that one time. It was like that or nothing. Although, like, I would listen to you. Let's be serious. I buy, Pete. I buy. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You've been listening to the Revenue Real podcast. One big ass experiment about all things uncomfortable conversations in sales. I'm your host, Amy Rahovchek, and I hope you've enjoyed my conversational experience. That's a wrap. I can't, I can't, I can't. So this is Pete, your disclaimer specialist, coming to you at the super secret disclaimer portion of the show. This is a pod about transparency and difficult conversations. With everyone being so open and honest, um, I must be. So here goes. I'm sorry. I apologize. You know, I, I misled you intentionally. I must confess that I am not a fucking attorney. <laughs> um, I have not passed the bar exam in the state in which I live. I uh, have never represented anyone well in anything, let alone in a court of law. But again, these are difficult conversations that were Amy's having with, with her guests, and, and I lied. And I should tell you that. I should be open and honest because, you know, we have been. So we can all be better. We can all do better together. And now I'm just rambling at this point. It's just, who cares? It's an outro, right? Like, this is just going to fade into blackness like the Mars rover. Maybe a little bit less sad. That was fucking sad. Oh, let's not be that sad. Come on, guys. We can do better.